0: Little Nancy, The Journey Home, Chapter 1, Part 1. I was born in 1944 at the end of World War II. My parents had lost relatives in Europe, although they and the rest of the family had tried to help them emigrate to the United States during the early years of the war. Several cousins in the Polish Ukraine had applied for the proper papers through the necessary officials. My father's brother, Nathan, who was a well-respected attorney in Elizabeth, New Jersey, where we all lived, took care of the arrangements on this end. The relatives disappeared before the paperwork was ever completed. Although I have no memory of being told about this, I know that loss permeated both households. It is no surprise that the first book to have an impact on me was The Diary of Anne Frank." We lived in a brick duplex near PS 14, the elementary school I would later attend for two years before we moved to a real house in Roselle Park, the town across the border from Elizabeth. The duplex had a small covered porch that wasn't big enough for outdoor furniture. This annoyed my mom, but otherwise it was a decent place. I know I never felt cramped living there. Susan and I shared a bedroom, but we shared one when we moved to Roselle Park, too, until she went away to college years later. I didn't mind. That was just the way it was. I liked sleeping in the twin bed next to hers, especially when we whispered together after she came to bed on the nights I managed to stay awake. We each had white chenille bedspreads I loved and soft-down pillows, Even though my parents were genuinely concerned about money during those early years, my mother said those were the only pillows worth having. My parents bought each of us our own dresser and a big bookcase, or one that seemed big to me at the time. Books were a part of my life for as long as I can remember. At first, only my sister had books in the bookcase, but I actually started reading simple words in picture books when I was two, or so I was later told, and some of those books found their way to the lower shelves where I could easily reach them. Despite their money worries, both of my parents thought books were essential, even if buying them for us meant they would sacrifice something personal for themselves. My parents adored me, each in their own way. As soon as I climbed down the stairs to the kitchen in the morning, my mother would turn to look at me with a big smile on her face, scoop me up in her arms, and hold me close, often covering my face and arms in kisses and making me laugh. I loved what she smelled like. Colgate toothpaste with a little bit of ivory snow mixed in, coffee, and sometimes, rye bread toast. She was my mommy, and the way she smelled was totally reassuring. Often when she took me to the park, she would play on the teeter-totter with me, push me on the swing, and when there weren't other mothers around, even coast down the slide with me, pushing so we would go faster, and screaming with me. It was so much fun. At night, she read to me, letting me follow along and point to each picture as she identified and read the words beneath it. When I began to say the words, too, she let me continue by myself. I felt so proud. I knew very early on she believed in me. The night I first read the words by myself, I'd made myself stay awake until my father came home. I heard her tell him, Nancy is reading, honey. Isn't that marvelous? Her voice rose with excitement even before the door closed, and he was finally inside the house. The last thing that happened each and every night, except when my parents went out with their friends and we had a babysitter, was my mommy kissing me gently on the forehead as she tucked me in and closed the storybook. She didn't kiss me all over like she did in the morning, because I suppose she wanted to calm me so I could sleep. Because of my mother, I loved both waking up and going to sleep. I knew I was safe and that she would always be there. My dad was a distant figure. He worked long hours at his drugstore and was rarely home. When he ate dinner with us, it was a quick affair and didn't seem to have much to do with the food. Supper time revolved around getting him fed so that he could get back to the store. He must have often worked on weekends because I don't remember doing much with him then either. I knew how he felt about me because of the way he looked at me rather than what we did together. His eyes would soften when he looked my way, and he would often ruffle my hair. I didn't mind that he made my hair stand up more in front. Getting the attention was well worth the bother. On holidays like Christmas, he often slept late. He must have been exhausted from working even longer hours over the holidays, staying open for people who wanted to buy last-minute candy or perfume as gifts. I hated it because I always woke up very early so that I could see what Santa Claus had brought me and placed beneath the tree. Although we were Jewish, my parents belonged to the Society for Ethical Culture, so a Christmas tree was allowed. We also had a menorah, but we rarely lit the candles on it during Hanukkah. My mother preferred Christmas. Of course, I always tried to stay awake to hear Santa arrive, but didn't manage it until I was almost four. That Christmas, I heard noise in the living room and crept down the stairs to meet him, not wanting to spook Santa so he would go back up the chimney before I could get a word out. Much to my dismay, I saw my mother and father laying out the wrapped gifts beneath the tree, whispering to each other. My father laughed before either of them realized I was standing there. I was disconsolate, and nothing either of my parents did could make me stop crying for the longest time. Even unwrapping Marushka, the huge rag doll I had seen in the toy store in early December, didn't console me. I loved believing in Santa Claus.